This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Red Sign Podcast. I'm Clay Winder here with my business partner, Johnny Christensen. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Guys, we've had a ton of questions about real estate investing uh, strategies, of course, also on uh, entity structure. And today we wanted to talk about LLCs. And I asked Johnny to join me on this conversation because he really is one of the best minds that I know that have really that really understands this concept. So if you are a real estate investor, whether you're seasoned or new, listen up. Let's talk about, about some of these conversations on why we need entities to protect our assets and when to do them and all that good stuff. So Johnny, let's kick it off. Yeah. Do we need a disclaimer that we're not attorneys, uh, CPAs or financial planners? I guess that's, that's that's probably a good idea. We're real estate brokers and this is just our, our simple advice to our friends. Yeah. But I think after us investing 10 years, like we've been forced to learn a lot about those three professions. You know, I think a lot of us, uh, you care more about your money than other people do. So it's been fascinating for us to learn all this stuff. So yeah, I, I, I actually have a, a lot to say on this topic. So let's kind of jump into it. And for me, you know, I, I think investing in real estate is really important, but people have to learn about the business side also of how to like organize and handle all the analyticalness of, you know, investing. So yeah, let's jump into it. Yeah. So the first question that we get most commonly Mm -hmm. is just simply why, why not just own all the rentals and on title, you have your personal name, you have your mortgage in your name. Why is there even a discussion of, of putting rental properties into a corporation? Yeah, we'll jump into like liability and taxation and stuff. But I think in general, you're just there's several important parts of just formalizing the legitimacy of your real estate investments, right? So number one, let's talk about you know this topic's asset protection. So LLC, like forming an LLC, like when should you do it? Is immediately you should just as soon as you buy your first rental property, you you file your first LLC. So there's a handful of topics that we always go by, right? Number one is liability protection. Like having an entity in any sort of business is protecting not only the assets inside of that, but also protecting you, you know, from things coming outside from outside of that entity to chase you, I guess, right? You personally. Yeah. yeah. And then the next one would be what? Uh, probably taxation is important. I think there's probably a level of professionalism that it does just by having an entity around your business. But more than anything, it just it protects you, right? Yeah. And I would add to when you're purchasing your first rental property, uh, humans get mortgages. And so oftentimes the meth- the, the, the exact way that we go about it is you purchase the home with your personal name because you have to get the mortgage in your personal name. And then right at that closing table, when you're signing, we immediately just deed it after you sign the main documents, we deed it into your LLC. Yeah. So maybe we talk about a few of the basics of LLC. The LLC uh, is a limited liability company. So it's a legal entity that you are allowed to create with the government for several reasons, but there's just, it's pretty simple to do. I think some people like to do it on their own. Most people will pay an attorney or legal zoom or something like that to set it up. But normally when you create an LLC, you just need to register it with the IRS, which where you get your EIN so you can file your tax return. You need a simple operating agreement, you know, and make sure it's registered with the state, that type of stuff. But let's start diving into that. So say you own a rental property, you buy your first rental property, and now you're going to move it into uh, your LLC. How do you typically move it into your LLC? Well, I would just do the deed it over, deed deed the title from me personally to the LLC. And at that point, the LLC officially owns 100% of that rental property. 
company. So that asset is actually owned by that company, right? So number one is it's filed on the deed. Uh, so liability protection, uh, you know, is a big component. I think it's probably one of the main reasons why someone wants an LLC. But part of that is, is you know, if something were to happen, and over the last 10 years, we've had numerous scenarios that potentially procured liability uh, from that property, right? We've had tenants slip. We've had people fall on stairs. We've had, you know, we damage of properties. Had the kids uh, shoot a little BB through a, the front window of one of our, one of our rental properties that scared the bejeebers out of our tenant. <laughs> yeah. So part of that is, a, say you have a rental property with, you know, uh, you bought it for 300,000, you put $50,000 down. So your loan is 250,000. Technically you have $50,000 of assets that's sitting in that rental property. And we'll talk about insurance in a sec, but basically what, what's happening is that for some reason you ever had litigation, that litigation is, is basically being held within that entity. So the only assets or potential liability that, that you could lose in a lawsuit would be whatever assets are sitting in that entity, right? So say you had a hundred grand sitting in your personal bank account, but your LLC gets sued, you're protected and all your personal assets are also protected. So that's why you're kind of just putting a shell around, you know, potential litigation or, or risk of losing some of your net worth, right? Gotcha. So I guess talk to us, you touched on it, but talk to us about the tax savings of the LLC. Like that's, you know, investors buy investment properties to make money. We've talked about in other episodes of the podcast that one of the huge advantages, even more than cash flow, is the mortgage interest deduction that you can deduct. Uh, but there's also some other tax savings. What are they? Yeah, because there's always four main benefits of rental properties, right? Cash flow, like having more rent come in than the expense of the property. So you have a positive cash flow, which is usually the main reason why people get into real estate, right? Is to create that passive income. Number two is appreciation. And man, this market has been nuts, right? Like appreciation is just flying up. So you own something, the values go up and all that equity just as basically a savings account for you. The next one's debt reduction, obviously, where you just, your renters are paying your mortgage payments down. So just every month you're just ticking away at that mortgage. But the big one that I like specifically is taxation, right? Tax benefits that come from a rental property. So not only can you actually deduct, you know, all your expenses from that rental property, but one of the big ones, uh, which is, they call it the gift from the IRS is they call it depreciation expense. And that's one that we've really banked on and helped offset other income streams that we make in our other areas of, uh, of life, but depreciation expense. So say you buy a rental property uh, for you know $300,000 and a residential property, you depreciate that value of that 300,000 over 27 and a half years. So basically just divide 300,000 divided by 27 and a half years. And every one of those years, you're gonna actually take this basically fake depreciation expense that shows up on your books that just even lowers your income more, which lowers your tax liability. So that's usually the number one reason why people get into real estate, right? And even commercial or, or uh, you know, there's a, there, you know, an advanced tactic in depreciation is accelerated depreciation, which is called cost segregation as well, where you're just even depreciating more of that property in the first handful of years, which really helps offset, you know, other potential income streams. So taxation can be great. So sure. what you're saying is that even though the asset in reality is appreciating in value in the eyes of the IRS, they're looking at every year because it's a, a I guess, a tangible item, it's mm -hmm. depreciating in value. 
Yeah, there's almost two, yeah, two sets of books. Like on the actual cash set of books, you're probably positive cash flowing income, but on a tax set of books, it probably appears that your rental property is losing money, which that loss then could offset, you know, other income streams or the tax liability uh, from that. So let's even talk about maybe some of the phases of asset protection, right? Because the big component of asset protection is, is protecting the assets that are in the LLC. And, and even our journey, we kind of started out simple and our, our life got a little bit more complex, but there's even some theories out there, but uh, I don't know how advanced you want to go on this. But number one is when you buy- Let's a go advanced. Let's go deep. Okay, good. So stage one <laughs> basically would be uh, just you buy a rental property or even a couple rental properties, you form an LLC, you get it organized, you get it set up, you move the property uh, title into that, you know, LLC. I think, you know, one of the common mistakes that we see with beginner investors is they just, they don't take the proper steps to separate and truly treat their rental property business as a real business, right? Meaning well, mixed bank accounts, yeah. mixed insurance yeah, so policies. They, yeah, mixed. they might buy a property, uh, move out, put renters in the property. They buy a second home that they move into that now is their primary residence. And they kind of are still just sharing a bank account, you know, uh, so their expenses are kind of commingled. So their tax set of books for that rental property is not awesome. But even insurance, you know, not getting the proper insurance policy uh, or, or, or changing it when you move out and become a landlord to that rental property. But number number one phase is just get a rental property, a couple of rental properties, form your LLC and start operating that as a real business, right? And when I talk about real business, I mean, separating finances, right? When you have an entity, call it clay uh, is bomb.com LLC or whatever, right? Like you're going to go get a bank account in that business name, which is a totally separate organization from like a personal bank account, right? And then all the expense, income, anything associated with that rental property, you keep flowing through that one bank account, right? And then that way, when you go do your bookkeeping or QuickBooks or whatever, by the end of the year, you're going to actually file a business tax return for that LLC. And a lot of times, uh, you know, some even mediocre investors, sometimes they'll even overcomplicate their life, right? They'll go buy a rental property, put it in an LLC, buy a second rental property, put it in another LLC. And they'll, you know, they buy five rental properties with 50 grand down on each of them, but then they totally just go out and do five LLCs to have one on each property, right? Like what, what's the challenges or, or maybe the downside of that level of organization? What a mess. What a mess, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, part but of what a common mistake too. I don't, I don't, like most people aren't as meticulous as you. I think we all know that. And, and I've, I've fallen victim to this. And I think most investors are here scratching their heads saying, oh, that's a lot of work because it, it, it is a lot of work, even just with one property, um, let alone the minute you start getting multiple properties. Because once you have one LLC, like keeping it uh, legitimate is, is totally important because if you don't actually operate the entity as a real entity and there's several check you know check marks that you have to kind of check off if you don't do that properly and for some reason something were to happen technically you could just dissolve that entity you know for some reason Meaning you, you wouldn't have the liability yeah, protection yeah. if a judge looks at this and says this is you know maybe it doesn't check all the boxes because it's been mismanaged he might yeah, he or she might throw it out and say, yeah, like is... if you don't operate it as a real business, you know, if something ever happened, do you think if you're not treating it like a real business, you think a judge or, you know, someone's attorney is going well to treat it Obviously not. Right. So that's why sometimes you could be too over organized or you could have too many entities for too less of like net worth or, you know, assets to protect. Because when you have an LLC, you got to make sure that it's constantly registered with the state every year. Right. You got to make sure your, uh, your legal documents are always, always updated. Uh, you know, you got to make sure that you're, you know, you're 
operating from that business, you know, so checks you write, contracts you write, you know, like you're representing the company name because that's who you're performing business on. Uh, you know, another one for sure is a tax return. Like you got to file a tax return and pay an accountant to file your tax return, but even just having QuickBooks, right? Like QuickBooks online these days is like 30, 40 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So to even maintain an LLC, you're probably somewhere around ballpark by $2,000 a year. So if you only have 10, $20,000 of assets that you're protecting inside the LLC and it costs $2,000 a year, like it's 10% of the assets to operate that entity. So that's why, you know, organization and simplification is usually key. So phase one is just get one rental property and everybody has different limits. But once you start getting to, you know, uh, a certain amount of equity or or a certain amount of risk that maybe you're trying to avoid, that's where maybe, uh, you know, more complex entity structure may make sense. And that's why phase two for a lot of investors uh, you know, they might actually go to multiple LLCs, right? So they might have two, three, four rental properties in one LLC. And when they go to buy six, seven, eight rental properties, they might form a second LLC, right? You right. see that pretty common out there. But where we actually uh, converted, which we're, you know, we're just lucky that we live in Utah, because Utah right now is one of 16 states. Uh, last time I counted, there's 16 states that have what's called a series LLC. So you want to talk about a series LLC? Real quick? Yeah, I do. Cause I think a lot of people have heard that term, especially when it, it's probably most commonly referenced in regards to real estate rentals. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, Nevada, you know, Montana, you know, some of our uh, neighbor states have it, but Utah is one of those 16 that has a series LLC. So the difference of a series LLC is it still is one entity, right? So, when so you go, one tax return. Yep. You file one tax return, you register it with the state one time, you know, that type of stuff. But the, the way that the actual documents work is say you own five rental properties. So they all technically can be owned by that that LLC, but they create in the documents is what's called a series. Uh, So basically extends individual liability protection for each single property, right? So it'd be like series A and you'd have your Provo house in series A, you know, so on the documents, it's almost creating a sub-series on the LLC that totally would be its own entity if, if for some reason something ever happened in court. Uh, but that's also, you know, to maintain that, you have to make sure that you're operating those series as, you know, uh, updated. You know, if you sell a property, you got to make sure it reflects on the documents. But then technically, you actually need your own bank account as well for each one of these series. So I get asked this question a lot. On a series LLC, do you need an individual bank account per property? Or in QuickBooks, can you just simply have delineate each property into, I just forget what they called cases or what are they called? Classes, classes yeah. excuse me, classes in QuickBooks. Is well, that sufficient? Well, we've made this mistake, right? <laughs> That's why I'm at, I want everyone to hear it. I think we operated our series LLC uh, unprotected slightly, you know? <laughs> and one of the things we learned, what, a year and a half ago or something is there's not a lot of case uh, law right. that, that affects series LLC. So it's still a little slightly unproven, but it still is a total legal protected asset. But one of the things is you, you definitely have to make sure your series paperwork is in order. So sometimes people will issue series on their operating agreement for every property. You know, you might have Provo House series, you might have Orem Condo series, Salt Lake, you know, Townhome series or whatever. But sometimes they put them in buckets, even they'll name it series A, series B or whatever. So you just have to make sure that like each property that you're putting in a certain series or bucket is totally documented. But then number two is you're exactly right. You technically have to be operating each series under its own bank account. So you could have one QuickBooks account, but have, you know, five bank accounts for the different five series that you own either one or maybe two properties in that series. So even us right now, we have 12 
what, 13 residential rental properties that all individually have their own series. We also have uh, uh, our own bank account for each series that then rolls up to our QuickBooks. And then we just file one tax return, one business registration, one ownership group for that entity. So it's just a way of expanding, I guess, your liability protection and the, the reach of that entity uh, over multiple, multiple assets, multiple you know uh, levels of net worth without having to go create a ton of LLCs. But as soon as you start getting into different states and having rental properties in different states and stuff like that, a lot of the recommendation is just having you know separate entities for those different states. You know, so probably buying one rental property in every 50 states might be a little bit of an organization nightmare miserable and even buying them in clusters or you know starting in utah and expanding outside uh you know could be helpful so awesome well let's recap before we sign off uh i guess first i won't touch on insurance real quick too okay let's hear it uh insurance is uh, you know the entity itself has liability protection right so if someone sues you or whatever like it, you know your assets will be protected within the entity but insurance is sometimes an, uh, a neglected piece of asset protection as well right so number one is you know everybody's probably familiar with their homeowner's policy you know if your house burns down that you're living in the insurance will pay for it if someone breaks your door or something you know your property's covered so normally an insurance policy will cover the actual the structure the contents inside of it but a lot of people don't know that your actual uh like house policies have liability protection so you got to make sure that you're watching that when you go get your policy for your house because of some sort of uh pathway that you procure liability your homeowner's insurance policy can actually uh cover some of that you know so say someone comes over and for dinner slips on your walkway and hurts themselves right like and they and you actually end up getting sued personally a lot of times that liability protection because the incident happened on your home would come in and potentially pay those medical bills so when you move out or you buy a rental property you have to make sure that you have the right uh insurance policy right and there's a big difference from a homeowner where you're occupying it versus uh what's called like a landlord policy where it is intended the policy is written in a way that is for landlords renting it to tenants so it obviously would cover the property property itself. There's a little bit of contents coverage. A lot of times your renters will get renters policy, but the big component is it actually has some liability protection of, you know, hundred, 300, $500,000 that if for some reason, any lawsuit happens, like you would want that to be the first layer that gets tapped into before any of your assets ever get, you know, pulled into some sort of scenario. And there is even specific, you know, umbrella policies that are written to even overlay over those landlord policies in case there is an incidence where that specific policy got maxed out, you know, uh, the, the umbrella policies kind of lay over that. And umbrella policies are super cheap and they're, mm-hmm. they're super cheap for a reason because they're rarely used, but when they're used, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's life-saving, asset-saving in a lot of ways. So, Okay. So for our listener that just has his first, his or her first rental property and is moving out, we've reviewed a handful of things that need to happen. So first thing they they deed the title over to, well, first thing they create their LLC, yep. LegalZoom, Utah.gov, whatever way they'd go about it. They need that EIN number. And they go create a bank account for that entity. And then they deed the title over officially to that entity. And then what you're saying is don't forget a critical step, which is 
call your insurance agent and update your policy. Yep. Yeah. So set up your LLC, make sure it's totally set up. It's cheap, sometimes free if you do it on your own, but you got to make sure it's set up. You got to move the property into the ownership of the entity. Just like you said, moving the deed or the title into, into the business name, you have to go open a business bank account and immediately separate all your finances, right? So make sure rent is going into that. You got to make sure any expensive, the mortgage, the mortgage tied to that account, maybe utilities. If you ever go do repairs, maintenance, property management, any of that, just any, debit in and outs have to go through that. Yep. Right. And then number uh, number three would be is just getting organized. So not only do you have your bank account, you got to now start doing some bookkeeping and account for all that. And some people pay people to do it. You know, usually when you have one, one rental property, it's pretty dang easy because there's only like three or four charges coming in and out, right? But then you just got to make sure that's dialed in. Most people will use, you know, QuickBooks Online or something so they can even invite their accountant into it. So when tax time comes around, the, the CPA or the accountant can make sure that tax return is filed. And I'll just interject. A lot of people might get like, Ugh, not very excited about that part because that's the accounting side and, and people don't love that. However, I would just add, you invest in real to grow your wealth. That's the, the scoreboard. That's yeah. where you get to actually see, you know, when you look at your PL and, and see your cash flow and you look at your balance sheet, that's where you can actually see the growth and the whole end game of why you're doing this to begin with. Yeah. And then, you know, for sure. Yeah. And then number five, like I said, is insurance. You got to check up on your insurance, make sure you have the right policy, the right type of policy. And even the difference from like a hundred grand liability on that policy to like 300 grand liability policy is we're talking like sometimes 20, 30, $50 in a year time. So just really making sure you're self-protected. And the one of the other ones that sometimes get neglected as well is you not only do you have to have a really strong lease agreement, you know, a lot of people can just Google and find it, but as you evolve as a, a landlord, sometimes your, you know, lease just every year gets a little bit better and better, you know, but you got to make sure that lease is in the, uh, the entity's name, you know, mm -hmm. so they got to make sure that they know they're leasing from Billy Bob LLC and not from, you know, you Billy personally. Bob himself. Yeah. And if you hire a property manager, you know, a lot of times a property manager will take care of the contracts and stuff for you. So, right. Which just to plug, we've got resources. If you guys need to deed your properties over, we've got a great title company partner that can get that done for, you know, really inexpensive, of course, property management. We've got that. Call us. We can help out. Any final thoughts in closing? Um, yeah, that, you know, as your world grows, it can get a lot more complex, but that's maybe worth a, you know, a private conversation if we have some, some big investors out there. But for me, I think when it comes back to just even emotion, like investing in real estate, sometimes it's just, it's a little bit of a slower game, right? Like you can make a decent amount of money in real estate fast, but a lot of times big wealth comes over time. And as we've watched our rental property grow, like it's almost like the first several years, we're just not that exciting you know it was slightly boring i guess because it just it's slow and you know every month every quarter every year we would blink and we go review our financials and our numbers and it was just crazy what can happen over a longer period of time that's why i call it the get rich slow scheme because mathematically <laughs> yeah. you do get rich i mean it is time value of money is a very real thing uh it just takes takes a lot of time yeah yeah and again like we are so blessed in this real estate market but just man there's nobody on this planet that shouldn't be investing in real estate, right? Like whatever your day job is, whatever income you're doing, have a strategy of just figuring out how to get your first rental property, get it organized, like everything we just talked about and treat it like a total side business. And then you add the second one, you add the third one. And it just, it feels like the snowball just gets rolling. It's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. We got to get you back on more often. Uh, Everybody, if you've got questions or, or thoughts on future episodes that you want to dive deeper into this topic, just let us know and we're happy to talk about it. 
Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.